This is Keith Frischborn from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, bringing you another Paranormal Things. We're going to bring you UFO Hunters. It's about 44 minutes long. Um, and uh, see what we can see. See what they bring us. The episode is called Johnny UFO. Contact by 12 o'clock. Very bright yellow object. 4,000 feet above the ocean. A pilot and his passenger see two enormous yellow objects. There is no absolute explanation. The captain of another commercial jetliner watches an impossibly large disc fly under him and become invisible. The dimension was huge, absolutely huge. Now, pilots are coming forward to relive these incredible events. So we'll be flying really the exact position and, and direction. Exactly the same route. And their colossal encounters are revealed on tape. I have no idea what it was. Stay away from 17,000. Are UFO sightings growing to epic proportions? UFO sightings. This can turn pilot. out to be one of the most critical UFO ago. sightings. Yeah, I didn't see anything. This is case number 86206. I was watching for them. <laughs> Giant UFOs. It just went right over me. Episode of UFOs. That time, April 23rd, 2007, approximately 3 p.m. A pilot for Orani Airlines is flying a pedestrian route over the English Channel. In the distance, he suddenly sees a brilliant yellow light. He immediately radios his sighting into Jersey Air Traffic Control. He has just spotted something gigantic, something he claims is almost a mile wide. These are actual radio communications between the cockpit and air traffic control. Actual. Uh, do you have any traffic by 12 o'clock level? No, no traffic at all in your 12 o'clock. Roger, I've got a extremely bright yellow orange object straight ahead. After initially seeing nothing, Jersey Air Traffic Control then confirms the object on radar. They also receive visual confirmation from a second pilot on another airline. Soon after, a second enormous object is sighted by the original pilot. He says it is smaller than the first, but still thousands of feet across. Neither the pilot nor his air traffic controller are able to explain what these colossal objects are or where they came from. Cigar shaped. Cigar shaped. We're here in the UK. These are not your everyday sightings. These are not little lights in the sky. What we have are descriptions of 
huge disc-shaped craft. They should have strange objects that these pilots have never seen before. I'm a pilot like a myself. I'm really interested so to meet these the pilots who are actually far more experienced than I am. As it, as it happens, instead of who have seen something that they believe box. is a UFO. Well, a black You've box, got but huge also objects that dominate the landscape flow. around them that overwhelm the planes they're flying, and you've got proximity. Pilots fly closer to these objects and see them closer than any other witness. Like the military has. Military has that. With these sightings of massive UFOs reported by multiple pilots, the investigation is focusing on these high-caliber witnesses. Dr. Ted Ackworth will recreate the original O'Rainey flight over the English Channel with the pilot and his passengers. I can't wait to meet them, sit with them in the cockpits of their aircraft, and kind of get from their mouths their stories of what they saw. Some were skeptics Pat Husker about will UFOs, scrutinize the physical are. descriptions of these airborne giants with an atmospheric scientist. Uh, I want to get a complete description of the objects that eliminates atmospheric phenomena, balloons, or anything else that could be in the sky, and make sure that we're talking about uh, legitimate UFOs. And Bill Burns will examine both the eyewitness testimony and the follow-up reports to these incredible incidents. Pilot activity is full of science. It's full of engineering. It's full of routine. You take all that science and you apply it to something so unusual that's never been before, now you have something you can investigate. Joining the team is documentary filmmaker James Fox, a researcher who was one of the first to speak with the O'Rainey Airlines pilot after his sighting in 2007. I met with Captain Ray Boyer about two oh, months Ray. after his original sighting, and oh, I think it's important for us to get up and recreate an the flight path to get his perspective on what took place. Though encounters with giant channel. UFOs are rare in comparison to most UFO sightings, they are not unheard of. I couldn't get me to go on it. It's a shame. In 2000, a British housewife in Bonsall claims to witness what some estimated to be a nearly three-mile-wide pink and white disc. In 1996, over a 134-mile stretch of highway in Canada's Yukon Territory, more than 30 witnesses confirmed seeing a saucer-shaped object bigger than a football field. Triangulation data later revealed the object to be at least half a mile wide. And in 1986, the pilot of a Japanese Airlines flight traveling between Iceland and Anchorage, Alaska, reported three objects trailing his 747. Like Two of the objects were small, but the captain described the third as twice the size of an aircraft carrier. The giant object was tracked by ground and airborne radar. And the FAA logged so over 60 minutes of data confirming the anomaly. Massive UFOs appear to be Very tracking our commercial here. aircraft. Captain Rick. Commercial. Training at home is great. Training yourself isn't. You'll listen to a little bit of it. Can't edit it out. Not one of the things. Ray Bowyer's so, encounter so occurs on April 23rd as he captains O'Rainey Airlines Flight 544 from Southampton to the island of Alderney. 
one of several small islands located in the channel. To France. His audio transmissions from the flight show a pilot fully aware of his unusual situation. He attempts to get as much information about the objects as possible. Five four four negative. It's just a primary contact that we sometimes get anaprop on the radar. There is something possibly your left ten o'clock at a range of three miles this time. I've got a definite contact by twelve o'clock. Very bright yellow object. His sighting expands to include a second massive object. And he is not the only one able to see something. Other aircraft. Roger 544, just confirming the water passengers can see this aircraft. It's dead ahead, can't say how far, probably five miles, but it's down the same size. Uh, looks to be off the north, north, northwest coast of Albany. But the flight is short, and Boyer soon finds himself safely landing the aircraft on Alderney. Air traffic control on the nearby island of Jersey alerts several other pilots coming into the airspace about Boyer's sighting. If you could um, keep a good look out as you pass down the side of Alderney. We've cross-referenced this with traffic inbound to Jersey from the south, which saw the objects from the vicinity of Sark towards Alderney at the same level. I'll go from where I was coming all that. Keep a good look out, sir. Thank you. But when they arrive, they see nothing. The objects are gone. Once on the ground, Captain Bowyer makes a few quick diagrams of what he sees and sends his logs to operations. Cigar the reaction to the event is thorough, and Bill and Pat are hoping that Bowyer's immediate actions following the encounter might reveal more information. What made you come forward? Law. It's what you have to do. It's the British system. If you see an object or uh, other aircraft, or there shouldn't be where it is, then you have to make a report. So this is a, a standard report that pilots have to fill out when they see a UFO, and they're encouraged to. It's not necessarily just for UFOs, it's for something unusual in controlled airspace. Could be another aircraft, which shouldn't be there. Um, maybe it hasn't been picked up by radar. And if you see it, then you've got to report that. That's the rules. According to the United Kingdom Civil Aviation Authority, quote, a reportable occurrence in relation to aircraft means any incident which endangers or which, if not corrected, would endanger an aircraft, its occupants, or any other person. What is the standard reaction when a pilot sees something in airspace? In British airspace, all I can say is uh, it's just what's done. In American airspace, I understand that there's companies out there that don't want this sort of thing talked about, and I've heard that some pilots have been threatened that if they do talk about this sort of thing, they'll be fine. Though he isn't ridiculed or threatened, Boyer's account is met with little interest. The British government declares the incident unworthy of any follow-up investigation. Because they think he's crazy. The British military did not come back with any response immediately, although they did issue a few days later a statement they stating that as the sighting wasn't of any threat to UK airspace, then they weren't going to investigate any further. And that perhaps the French might like to do that. The French came back with a response Americans saying that if the British, British military were interested in territory. operating some system over this matter, then they should do so. But neither have come back with anything. Alderney, Jersey, and the other surrounding islands are dependencies of the United Kingdom, but are in close proximity to French airspace. 
finds it surprising that neither country is interested in the event. Despite corroborating radar hits and the audio confirmation of a second pilot from Blue Island Airlines. Jersey Blood at 832, the zone asked us to look if we could see an object which is being seen by A-Line at the moment. We've got something about 8 o'clock resembling the description. Around about the similar range to Albany from us now. The track is way. Have you talked to that pilot? Yeah, I've had a chat with him. Unfortunately, his company don't want him to come forward. He's also wanting to stay away from the limelight. Well, uh, what did he tell you? He saw it from about 20 miles away and uh, described the object pretty much similar to myself. This is probably one of the best, most corroborated, most credible UFO sightings we've ever encountered. And that's mainly because of the way Ray Bowyer took extra care to make sure his witnesses were with him in that sighting. The Blue Island pilot remains silent to this day, a key eyewitness, unwilling or unable to discuss what he saw. But other witnesses aboard Oraini Flight 544 are willing to come forward to discuss the strange events they witnessed above the English Channel. They, along with Captain Boyer, are about to relive the same flight from April 23, 2007. And another sighting shows massive size isn't the only surprising characteristic of these craft. Become transparent and disappear, almost like it dematerialized. Back to UFO Hunters. On April 23, 2007, an Oraini Airlines close, pilot close and his passengers years ago. claimed to see two giant yellow-orange objects during a routine flight over the English Channel. The pilot, Captain Ray Boyer, claims the objects are a mile wide and possibly larger. Ted and documentary filmmaker James Fox are prepping a flight aboard the same aircraft flying the identical route from 2007. With the identical uh, crew and passengers. He needed to follow a preconceived flight plan. He was in communication with air traffic control. He was flying under instrument flight rules. You really have to follow the procedure there. So would you just describe the parameters for the flight? Sure. Uh, it's a trial under aircraft, 18-seater. We'll be heading, uh, as you said, south-southwest, climbing initially to 2,000 feet. So we'll be flying really over the exact position and, and direction. Exactly the same route, same height, altitude, and wow, very similar weather very, conditions today. Joining the journey Regular are Kate and John Russell, thousand, two passengers aboard the April 23rd flight. 15,000 feet. They also witnessed the gigantic yellow-orange objects in the sky. The plane is a Britain-Norman Trilander a small-range aircraft used primarily for short-distance flights. It is 49 feet, 3 inches long. The alleged UFOs are described as being over a mile long, more than 100 times the size of these aircraft. It was about 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Uh, good, good visibility, very similar to what we have here today. If you're living with HIV, oh, keep Lord being you and ask your doctor about Bictarvi. 
at altitude, we're at 4,000 feet, I could see the objects, the one object to start with, and then the second object, quite clearly with the islands behind. And that was it when I got out of binoculars and, uh, and had a good look. And I could see this perfect shape of a, a pointed object, very brilliant yellow, with a dark area, two thirds from left to right, very clear. It was emitting light quite clearly. Both objects illuminating a uh, fantastic amount of light. It was very brilliant and quite difficult to watch. Were you able to see both of them simultaneously? Not initially, initially just one object. And then uh, on descent, the second one became visual. Probably how big, any idea? I'd say at least a mile across. A mile across. Captain Boyer describes the two objects at a 15 to 1 ratio of length to height with a slightly elliptical appearance. The objects are also slightly tilted. The layer of cloud above was uh, still covering. The sun would have been great because it would have been a shadow on the sea. It also gives us an exact position and a relative size, but there was no direct sunlight. That was a shame. But as the objects continue to remain in view, the passengers are alerted that something is happening. What about the passengers? Were they taking notice as well at this yeah. point? When I was looking out with binoculars, the chap sat behind me was saying, what is it? What's that? Because he could see it. The people behind couldn't see it so well because of the people sat in front. But there are a couple of passengers sat in row four, John and Kate Russell, and they could see it also. John and Kate Russell are frequent flyers on O'Rainey. They make this trip from Southampton to their home on Alderney often. But they've flown with Captain Boyer on numerous occasions and have never seen him react as he did that day. And Ray started sitting up in his seat and uh, looking out through the windscreen. Well, you know, when a pilot starts moving around, you begin to wonder what's going on. Then he got out his binoculars. And again, this is rather puzzling because he knows the way. Ray dipped the nose of the aircraft down. He'd been pointing out something to the person just behind him. So I looked out and I saw a bright light just about there and another beyond it, which was smaller. I thought the second light looked as if it could have been over the island. Kate, my wife, was sitting where you are. She then drew my attention to what they were looking at. A couple of orange lights down below the aircraft on the right hand side. I looked over her and at this point there was only one light, a sort of orange, yellow, almost like a football shape. It's elliptical. But John Just and like Kate a football, quickly dismissed the so idea long. that these lights like a are mere reflections. We're going south. Javelin's the sun is spear. the south of us, sun reflects, yes, fine, but we're doing 120 knots. Therefore, the angle's changing all the time, and this light was constant. So you're saying it couldn't have been a reflection? No. No, it couldn't. If 
the sun's reflection had been responsible, the high speed of the aircraft would have eventually caused the light's appearance to change. But, according to John and Kate, this doesn't happen. They are able to see the objects for three to four minutes, and Captain Boyer has been observing them for 15. And as they get closer and closer, his concern is growing. When you saw these two objects, what were you thinking? Were you scared? These things were getting pretty hefty, pretty big. And I didn't want to go any closer with the passengers on board. These things were getting quite close now. But it was at that point, maybe when we were still 20 odd miles away from them, that I started to get somewhat trepidatious about the proximity. If they were moving, they were coming towards us, I didn't know. At that point, radar said they couldn't see anything. So, But I could see them, and they were big. They decided to come quickly at me. Could have been scary, so we're just getting down and landing. That's what I was thinking at that point. The plane descends quickly, and Captain Boyer loses sight of the objects. He is able to land safely. Despite the extraordinary circumstances, the passengers give Captain Boyer the highest marks for his reaction to the situation. He wrote it down the way he saw it. Anytime you knew you were flying with Ray, he thought you were in very safe hands. For him to register the concern that he had meant that what he was experiencing was very abnormal. Upon landing, Captain Boyer immediately asks for anyone who saw something unusual to leave their information. While the Russells do, some of the others don't want any further involvement. Or do you feel now that you saw something highly unusual? The more the time goes by, the more there is no absolute explanation. These are witnesses of the world. Uh, it was an unidentified flying object. But it certainly wasn't in the sea. Therefore, it had to be flying. And it was unidentified. It's like a pretty so level headed guy. He doesn't look like a. You've been a pilot for quite a long time before this. Yeah, 20 years on. And, and how long had you been flying this route? Uh, that route at that time, about eight years. So you do it like the back of your hand? Yeah, probably two or three thousand times, you know. It's extremely difficult trying to explain to people. Uh, what this is all about. And for me, it was so unusual that there's no precedent. I've seen nothing like it previously. I don't expect I'll see anything like it again. Short-range aircraft. While nothing matching Captain Boyer or John and Kate Russell's description has been seen since, another pilot's sighting of an alleged giant UFO in 1994 has striking similarities. The dimension oh God, was huge, years. absolutely huge. In April 2007, Captain Ray Boyer and several of his passengers aboard an O'Rainy Airlines flight see two objects hovering above the English Channel. The objects are estimated to be at least a mile wide. While sightings of this magnitude are rare, they have happened before. 
January 28, 1994. On Air France Flight 3532, Captain Jean-Charles Dubac is en route from Nice to London. His plane is near Paris, flying at 39,000 feet. The airspace here is typically crowded, but today it's going to have one more aircraft than usual. We are meeting with retired Air France Captain Jean-Charles Dubac, whose sighting in 1994 of an object over Paris was one of the most incredible stories in ufology. Captain Dubac is telling his story for the first and only time on American television. It was a very beautiful weather. We were approaching Paris. French. And uh, the steward who was in the cockpit said, uh, oh, weather balloon. So it was the steward who first said there's a weather balloon there, yeah. and then the co-pilot yeah, yeah. who said there was something there, yeah, and yeah. that's what directed After your attention. I saw it, yes. It was on our left, and we lo we, we look at this object during uh, one or two minutes. Though Captain Dubach's steward and co-pilot initially think they've spotted a rogue weather balloon, they quickly change their minds. The object is far too large. And it was at roughly the same altitude you were saying? Is that oh, it's below us. It was below oh, us. Below you? Below us. But how many feet below you? Oh, uh, 4,000 feet. We are 39. It was about 35,000 feet. And so it was really surprising. The dimension was huge. Absolutely huge. Because the, the, the distance was... Training at home is great. Training yourself isn't. This is going to happen. It was about 25 miles. And at 25 miles, you cannot see your plane. When did you realize it wasn't a plane? We all uh, immediately uh, identify this object as not a plane. It was different of a plane or a balloon or something. It was absolutely abnormal. As the object moves towards them, they come to a shocking realization. What they're looking at appears to be a huge flying disc. What's incredibly striking to me about Captain Box sighting as uh, he's a trained observer, being a pilot, and he was with two other people who witnessed this object. And it's apparently about a thousand feet across, disc-shaped, uh, in broad daylight. And uh, that doesn't sound like a conventional aircraft to me. It was a uh, red balloon with a uh, red color. Very curious. And it was uh, some kind of haze. Captain Dubac describes the red-brown disc as having a strange haze or fuzziness at its edges. And as he watches, he says it appears to be banking at a 45-degree angle. He estimates its size to be between 800 and 1,000 feet, or more than six times the size of his own jetliner. But what happens next is even more surprising. Uh, so after one minute, it became transparent and disappeared. Just disappeared. So did it disappear quickly or gradually become transparent? Oh, it became gradually transparent. Like it dematerialized. When the object seems to disappear, Captain Dubois, his co-pilot, and his steward realize they are dealing with something extraordinary.
Two of the most striking details to me are the huge size of that object. It wasn't the size of a plane, it was much larger. And then when the object seemed to dematerialize before his very eyes, what was the conversation in the cockpit of the plane about this? Yes, it was. A, what was it? It's impossible to create such a huge uh, ship and which able to disappear like that with such a fuzzy uh, characteristic with this color and this appearance. We cannot do that. By pilots have been enormous. But this object is incredibly small. Described as a rock. Yet according to the pilots descriptions, it seems to be under intelligent control. It just was right over me. Confirm the object appears stationary. But it wasn't 17, the first time I saw it was 17.7, so it's not falling. The object now appears to be inexplicably rising. It looks like a cloud, like a bald cloud. So not only is it an Could object they can't identify, like it's an object filled doing maneuvers, it sounds like. And they can't identify what the maneuvers are. Exactly. But what's really amazing is how calm these pilots are. They're they're not excited. They're just saying what what they're seeing. One deep. I want to look at it and you follow it behind me if you can. I've got it. We have forgotten a very important part of our story. ahead here a little bit, see why. Their appearance is typically quite large and can stretch they're, over they're several look, miles. And they can appear to be very strange like when compared to the cloud surrounding them. So to form shape. a lenticular cloud, wouldn't you need some sort of topographic formation to move the, the air up into the atmosphere like that? Yeah, you need a very significant hill or, or mountain and crucially as well, very strong wind speeds. So is that likely to happen over the English Channel? Well, you get strong wind speeds. There aren't many questions. islands, so you this wouldn't expect to see many particular clouds in the uh, channel. Expert. Saying did he see... Not only is the English Channel an unlikely location for these types of clouds, uh, they are also almost exclusively found at high altitudes of 20 UFO. to 40,000 feet. Skeptic kind of point of view. Ray Boyer's sighting was only at 4,000 feet, and Charles Dubois' sighting near Paris with the correct altitude range, describes a tilting object. Lenticular clouds have little to no movement in the sky, and these I'm types of clouds are never detected by radar. 
What about sun dogs? Uh, sun dogs are a, a phenomenon related to ice crystals in the atmosphere. Uh, whenever the, the sun is low on the horizon, so sort of at sunset, ice crystals in the atmosphere on the horizon can bend sunlight. Now this has the effect of forming patches of light either side of the sun. Though bearing no resemblance to Captain Dubok's reddish-brown disc, could bright yellow sun dogs be what Captain Boyer saw over the English Channel? Never know. Sun dogs typically appear in pairs and have the same bright yellow-orange characteristic of Boyer's objects. But sun dogs mostly appear at sunrise or at sunset on the horizon. Ray Boyer's encounter sun occurs dogs. at 3 p.m. First time I ever heard of it. Sun dogs actually are fairly rare, and they, they look quite striking when you see them in the atmosphere because they're quite unusual. Most people would realize it's a patch of light and not a solid object. But Dr. Allen has his own theory on the Ray Boyer sighting. Having looked at some data for the area, there is evidence for a very strong temperature inversion in the atmosphere. Temperature typically decreases with height in the atmosphere. An inversion occurs when the temperature increases with height. When this happens, the inversion layer can act as a mirror, reflecting or even sometimes bending light along the atmosphere. The inversion could not only create bright objects like Captain Boyer describes, but false hits on radar known as anomalous propagation. What about these brown or gray bands that Captain Boyer describes? Well, that could be explained by an object in the path of the rays of light. So if there was a very small cloud in the path that the light has taken, then it would appear as a shadow on that uh, object. But the idea of a temperature inversion may be put to rest by a recently issued analysis from several atmospheric researchers who published a thorough report on Captain Boyer's sighting in 2008. According to the research into the event, quote, the triangulated apparent location of UAP number one near Alderney was intersected by the reciprocal sightline from Captain Patterson to an unusual yellow object at a similar height in a similar location. What this means is that if Captain Boyer was seeing a reflection or other optical illusion from his sightline, it would be highly view, unlikely for the second pilot to see the same All reflection the illusion that, in the exact same the place. That he tried to give didn't. I think for two pilots in two completely different locations to see a mirage or a reflection of the same image is very unlikely. Does that uh, influence your opinion of your answer they were at all? Talking whether I think they were this talking. is the most likely of a list of Just unlikely explanations. They say they see, they see. Science continues to this struggle with answers for the 10. objects that these pilots are seeing. We've seen on the History Channel and YouTube. And witnesses remain resolved. These giant objects voice, are not illusions. On People FM. say they can't believe in UFOs, but here I don't think it's a matter of, of belief anymore. I mean, we've, we've investigated the cases, we have audio evidence, we've talked to the pilots, we've got corroborating witnesses. It seems like a... Regardless of what people believe, pilots are seeing UFOs. If you think about these cases, I the amount of air traffic is only increasing. I can only think from over their, the course of the coming their, years, uh, we're going to see more and more of these kinds of reports. Apollo, I think the reports uh, will only proliferate. Capsule. And we have a lot now, we're going to have even more in the future.
In most investigations, sightings usually occur from the ground from far away. This is a whole new level of UFO encounter. As sightings of UFOs continue to increase, are they getting closer and larger? Or are we finally getting the best glimpses of what's been in our skies all along? There you have it. Evidence of uh, UFOs eyewitnessed by pilots. Uh, and uh, they um, proved it. It couldn't be anything atmospheric. It couldn't. What they've seen is what they've seen. They're sticking to the story. They've wrote reports about it to their airlines. So, till we meet again, it's up to you to decide. Sleep tight.